Hi, Stably. Good morning, Jerry. How's it going? It's going okay. How are you? I'm good. Feeling a little defiant. Yeah. A little disobedient. <laughs> okay. Um, how about you? Do you are you gonna take it? I think so. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I, I think I've decided I just am gonna take it. It's just easier, right? Anymore. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stanley, we are here to discuss By the People uh, by Charles Murray. What is the subtitle? I did not write down the subtitle. Uh, rebuilding Liberty Without Permission. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Permissionless Liberty Rebuilding. Per permissionless Liberty. Uh, and so I, this is my pick. And I picked this book because um, we've been, you know, we're often accused of being cynics uh, and nihilists who... Wait, me? Uh, who uh, don't have uh, much of a, don't offer much of a solution for anything. I don't have any ideas, positive ideas. And the, the books that we uh, often do on this podcast reflect uh, that. Um, so I thought I'd pick a book that had been on my list for some time, um, which, you know, in, in which Charles Murray basically, I think, agrees with our general um diagnosis of what's wrong with the world or at least with the federal government and um but then proposes a a, a solution taking that all on board um and it sort of has mapped with my uh i wouldn't quite say prescription but you know what, what i've been sort of led to believe you know after uh, dare I say, two decades working in the policy minds uh, in D.C., which is that you know the political process is uh, bankrupt uh, as far as getting any policy change. I mean, on the margins, you might get to do something, but that really what's left are the courts, sadly, because it shouldn't be that way, but it is. And so if you wanted to um, make change, uh, that's where you should invest. And, you know, certainly that's what we're doing at Quant Center. And uh, I think it's what I've advised others to do, not that they listen to me. Right, but anyhow, but that is what Charles Murray suggests here. Um, and so we'll get into it. But what did, what did you think in, in general? Well, I guess uh, you've helped answer one of my, one of my big questions. Um, <clears throat> I am not a, a, a DC policy minds peon like uh -huh. you. And uh, you know, well, I have my my vibes and my takes and my feels, yep. And my um, uh, what does Tyler Cowen call it? Uh, where you just kind of agree emotionally with something, whatever. Um, oh yeah, what's it called? Uh, I know he has a phrase. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, the the picture he paints, Doctor Sir Charles Murray, is very very bleak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was just wondering, you know, from your uh, more experienced point of view, like how how well he like is he describing reality or is he just kind of like a old-timey right-wing curmudgeon he's just upset that black people can still vote <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding um but yeah so my question to you was like how accurate is he in diagnosing like all the ills and he, he does like uh he just kind of break things out into like specific areas of yeah of malfunction and i don't know if we want to go through them one by one or how well you know all of them yeah. or any of them specifically but yeah my question was like is it really that bad <laughs> yeah so mood affiliation mood That's, affiliation yeah, yeah. I, I was about to type um so 
I think he's pretty accurate. And indeed, I think that he is rehearsing Mancer Olsen, who he cites. Um, and so we've known this since Mancer Olsen, which was what, the 80s, I guess? When, when he uh, when did the 70s? <clears throat> Anyhow, which, you know, one of my favorite books, which I've talked about before. Uh, uh, and I recommend the uh, sort of the uh, pop version of Mansur Olsen's oeuvre, which is um, Demosclerosis by Jonathan Rauch, uh -huh. um, which was re sort of reissued as uh, Government's End. And anyhow, he, he cites both of those. <clears throat> and so, yeah, so, I mean, it's just Demosclerosis 40 years on. Uh, it's just, you know, it's not getting any better. So, yeah, we, uh, it's what Francis Fukuyama calls a vitocracy, right? And so, yeah, it is that bad. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it doesn't feel that bad because um, we're still rich. Um, and if you, like, you know, if you just go about your life and it, you're not an entrepreneur and you're not, I don't know, like, you can av avoid confronting this stuff, like really, you know, punching you in the face, but you still feel it from time to time. So does that make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, if you are a uh, wage slave, yeah, right, and you are not uh, making decisions or actually responsible for anything, it probably feels, I guess, normal. It's like, yeah, this is the way it is. Like things are slow and stupid, and you have to fill out ten yeah. forms to order pizza. But like, that's eh, you know, it's just that's just silly stuff. Uh, whereas like what he's describing is like the whole system is basically like broken and, it, and locked up and rusted over. So, yeah. Yeah. and it may be that your, your wage slave occupation is, is completely made up of facilitating the filling out of forms for federal programs. <clears throat> That's weird. My ears are burning. Uh, uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> wait a minute, this book is terrible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, um, yes, I, I uh, see that from my, my vantage point, but I'm just wondering, like, if you're a, uh, sure, what have you. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was one of my big questions because, you know, the solution he proposes is, I assume was pretty extreme at the time that he, I think know, so. Put I it think out there. And at the time even, he put it out there, a mere, what, like, uh, 10 years, years ago, eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed radical. I mean, I guess it seems both less and more radical now, but maybe we should describe. <laughs> so like, again, the problem is everything is basically broken. Um, he, he goes through like, we'll just, I don't know. I'll quickly fly through like part one, which he calls coming to terms with where we stand, which is again, everything is effed up. It's Fubar. Um, he says the chapter one, a broken constitution. Chapter two, a lawless legal system. I think people will get the drift. Uh, <laughs> chapter three, extra legal state within the state, which is like his take on the administrative state. Mm -hmm. uh, chapter four, a systemically systemically corrupt political system, which is, I mean, basically like you need uh, a ton of money and power to get anything done and um like the regulatory agencies and the elected representatives are so can, can we take a step back so yeah. so like the, the book is basically in three parts part yeah. one is what is the problem part two is what is the proposed solution 
and part three is like a weird thing where he basically can't help himself and kind of shoehorns in coming apart uh his other book into here <laughs> which i liked a lot but it's 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 weird thing um so what is the problem the problem is that um so you, so demosclerosis what is demosclerosis um is it's that if you have a democracy and people can um vote for their own self-interest eventually you get um lots of goodies for specific groups uh, and and that will never let go of those goodies because by being you know a big enough group and the rest of society does you know you know concentrated benefits dispersed costs you get a vitocracy, right? You get you can have one small group holding up everything else, and so you end up with um, just a, a morass of uh, laws and requirements and quotas and goodies uh, for everybody, and that just compounds and compounds and compounds, so that there's no freedom, et cetera. And the U.S. uniquely, um, relative to other democracies, was able to kind of resist that tendency of democracies because it was founded on limited government, right? In particular, enumerated powers. So Congress didn't have the power to um, grant goodies. <clears throat> um, and so uh, there was nothing to lobby and so people kind of focused on the private sector, right? Um, the progressive era changed all of that. So I, I don't think we have to explain why or how, but progressives came along and turned government and the legal system and everything else into uh, a tool for uh, supposed social betterment. And, and so now, and basically, you know, the courts undid all the parts of the constitution to limited government. And so now Congress and the courts and the regulatory state that was created by the progressive era um, can grant all these goodies. And so now we are exactly in the spot that we had uh, been able to to resist. And what Charles Murray points out is that um, there is nothing you can do through the political process to undo this at this point, right? People are too bought in and, uh, it, is, and it is far too gone. Um, and so that's the problem, right? Like it is like, you cannot be fixed in a political process. It cannot be fixed you know, anyhow, by the way, Mansfield Olson says that the one way you can fix this is by losing a total war. Oh, right. Yeah. And he points out to Germany and uh, like, like the two democracies have been able to throw off, um, you know, the weight of their bureaucracies and, uh, you know, accreted, uh, uh, you know, legal systems and requirements were Japan and Germany. Uh, you know, after they were like completely destroyed, you know, they were destroyed, but so was their bureaucracy and their legal system. So they could rebuild from scratch and, you know, they became these, you know, uh, dynamos. Uh, whereas like England, France, you know, they were hurt by the war, but their uh, governments and, you know, government systems were, were kind of intact and they immediately went from war into, uh, uh, you know, just horrible, uh, uh social welfare um stagnation so anyhow um that's the problem and then the solution is what stanley i've talked enough what is the solution <laughs> well uh, I, I guess the solution is what he calls uh civil disobedience civil disobedience with a twist with, with a right-wing twist <laughs> coupled with a uh i don't think civil disobedience would be enough it, it has to be civil disobedience with 
uh, illegal defense funds. Right, exactly. So he is talking not just people, I guess, like uh, tarring and feathering OSHA inspectors, although maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, what he proposes is, does he call them the Madisonian funds? He calls them the Madison fund. The, the Madison, Madison fund. The, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All he says there'll be many. The George Mason fund. Uh, yeah, so he calls it the Madison fund. And uh, just to go back really quick, like, so he describes like limited government people like himself as Madisonians to right. kind of differentiate between like conservatives, liberals, who are both, you know, they tend to big government. Anyway, so his idea is um, you engage in civil disobedience against the government. You essentially just throw sand in the gears by fighting as many little niggling and big niggling rules as you can. Uh, now he has ground rules for like how to do it, when to do it, and like right. who to. You don't want to like try to help like a polluter <laughs> or maybe a train company that helps to derail a bunch of <laughs> toxic chemicals. Uh, but um, essentially, what he's talking about is in the beginning, you pick like the little guy, some guy that just has like a little factory, and the ocean inspector is is uh, you know hurting him with like all these like little niggling violations. Um, yeah, violations are technical, but that anybody would side with the guy, right? Like, okay, so you, yeah. you have a fence that's, you know, 31 feet tall when it's required to be 32 feet tall, and you're going to shut down your, you know, your livelihood until you fix that. It's going to cost you more than you make, you know? Yeah. 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 So picking, um, yeah, uh, what's the word? Sympathetic. Sympathetic. Yeah. Sympathetic people will stand up for themselves and tell the government, we're not going to do this. And, we have this uh, shadowy billionaire funded Madison fund that will um, cover all of our legal expenses, cover any fines that we have to pay, and uh, I guess cover everything, uh, in including potential like losses um, incurred through the, the legal process. And we will fight each and every federal agency that has like ridiculous little rules um, because as Charles Murray points out, it's actually, like these people, the government depends on the people, yeah, uh, cooperating. Like yeah. there just isn't enough enforcement available for them to check everybody and enforce the rules on everybody and collect the money from everybody. Uh, you know, they kind of rule through fear because you don't want to be the guy to kind of fight them because you know it's pretty explicit. Although they try to make it implicit that if you fight us in any way possible, we'll just come down at you with a ton of bricks. So, so again, it's like they're going to kill the chicken to scare the monkeys. But if the chicken has a Madison fund <laughs> defending them, um, essentially you just, the idea is to both bleed the government dry, not really of money, because that's impossible, but of time. Um, yeah, it just raises raises the cost of enforcement. Raises the cost of enforcement, specifically for rules and regulations that are not actually helping anybody. So he, he takes pains to point out that this is not for every every defendant. This is for people that are really innocent of any wrongdoing. Like he makes a, he tries to separate out, like, you know, I'm sure there's a Latin phrase for it that you know, but like de facto. Malum, yeah. malum prohibitum versus malum in se. Exactly, right. So bad like, in itself versus bad because we say it's bad. Yeah, exactly. So um, that, is, that is the idea. Uh, yeah, you, you raise the cost of enforcement um, and the defense funds would, you know, defend, you know, would you know, help you take them to court. Um, and then even if you lose, they will pay your fines for you. So it's, it's got that insurance aspect to it as well. Uh, and what this would do is that by raising the enforcement costs of the government, the government would then have to 
be more careful with its enforcement budget, right? And so it would, you know, presumably then have to think really hard before it does an enforcement action. You know, does this really matter? Are we gonna are we gonna uh, win this or lose this or or what? Um, uh, and he wants to get to a like what did he say? No harm, no foul. Uh, yeah. <laughs> regime, right? Where you you have all these regulations are in the book, and maybe you're technically not in um, compliance, but if you're not <clears throat> uh, hurting anybody, you're probably not going to get enforced against, which he basically says is like the best we can hope for uh, in a way. Um, so that's one thing he wants to accomplish. And the other stuff he wants to accomplish is, uh, you know, bring attention to, you know, uh, to the situation, right? Um, so he thinks that, uh, that, you know, a lot like IJ or the Pacific Legal Foundation, you get these cases, you have these sympathetic, uh, uh, sympathetic defendants, um, and you do a lot of media around them to get people, you know, get the public to understand, you know, the problem here, maybe you'll get some reform. And then lastly, that, um, well, some of these cases will actually overturn uh, the kind of precedents we need to overturn to get back closer to um you know uh more limited government or at least pre pre-progressive era stuff correct yeah you silenced me i'm shocked uh that is the plan yes so um okay so I why find, won't it work stanley I, I i don't know i find the idea very <laughs> uh very cool um very cool so, yeah, I like Okay, it. yeah. Yeah. So I guess the, the first problem is, you know, finding the people to do this, to, to mm -hmm. fund these funds. Yeah. Provide the money, I guess. Uh, I, I guess it's possible. There are lots of crazy right-wing billionaires out there and millionaires. Um, mm. So I, I don't know if that's difficult, but I guess you, you tell me. Um, and then you have to find people to work there, right, to staff right. these funds and be the attorneys. And the staff and etc um i guess all of this is, is is very doable but my my issue is like who would who would be the face of this especially today yeah right because um can, can, I, stop hard, you, can, I, can yeah. I stop you just before you get to that just to answer the question so um i think you're right it, it is doable but i think the problem that you have is not that there is not uh, is there money for this yeah i think there probably is it's that if I was the government and I wanted to stop this, which I would, <laughs> oh, yes. um, who would I go after? I would go after people who are funding it. And that's going to be a handful of people, right? I would make their life miserable and implicitly suggesting to them, you better stop funding this Madison. Like you're, you're painting a giant target on your back right. by funding something like this. If it were to become, you know, actually successful, it's just a giant target on your back. I but hate Jerry, to be cynical, but you know, Jerry, but like people fund right-wing think tanks and causes all the time, and they're incredibly yeah, but, successful. Oh, uh, right, yes, very good. Oh wait, uh, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, that was I was going to get to that later, but yes, okay, I mean, go ahead. I don't know. Is is I assume it's not possible to secretly like Hank Scorpio style fund something like this if you are say a midwestern-based billionaire no you should be able to 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 do to, to donate anonymously that's yeah. your constitutional right for christ's sake stably and we respect those right yes so i you know um i think it's it, it's technically possible but do you but do we really i mean if the government is as lawless as he portrays it to be 
you know? Well, I mean, some enterprising journalist will, will ferret it out anyway. Yeah. Or, or IRS. Uh, sure. Leader. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So th- th- there are those issues to get, to get through, but e- yeah. even if you could, yeah, it's, it's interesting because he writes this book in the, like the mid 2000s tail end of Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, mid 20 teens. And, um, he still has this faith that um, polarization is isn't so bad that it doesn't matter if you're liberal, conservative, whatever. If 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 something is like brought to light, like the man is stomping on some tiny little ice cream maker or whatever, yeah, or a fence, you know, if the guy makes fences in the middle of Ohio, who 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 knows that um, people will set aside their partisan differences and support. Yeah, guy. everybody will see. Like, look, I, I'm a liberal. I'm for, you know, a, a activist government that can protect the little guy. But clearly, here, this this is ridiculous. You're right. you're, fine, you're you're shutting down this guy's livelihood because he did this little thing. Yeah, right. Okay, because right. his chain link fence was uh, one millimeter too big, and right. that means that you know the the Rottweiler is going to sneak through and eat everyone's babies. Um, so, like, that's his impression that polarization hasn't gotten bad enough. We, we can still kind of work together as Americans to to hold the government to to account. Like you work for us, this is stupid. We're not doing this anymore. I, I don't know. Like I don't <laughs> think I. So that, that's kind of the biggest. Yeah, the biggest hole. The biggest, yeah. the biggest hole for me, and uh, even beyond like the government going after the funders, it's like it's it's largely a PR fight, mm-hmm. right? Because it is consent by the uh, consent by the government. Like if people don't care what you're doing, it doesn't matter if it's legal or illegal, right? The, I suspect the government will just like keep kind of doing the thing that they're doing all along if if enough people just don't care. Yeah, right? I mean, civil disobedience has to be widespread. Right. If it's civil Whites, disobedience by you and me, and that's it, like. Yeah, widespread enough. And I think it, maybe, I don't, I don't I forget if he's explicit or maybe just implicit, it has to cut across yeah. You know, partisan divides like you can't just be right-wingers right oh, if no, no, just no. He, right-wingers then like he, he's very explicit about that and he's very explicit about the fact that even a majority of people uh is not enough he, he says that's at some point he says it has to be an overwhelming you know majority of people who are you know are seeing this thing as insane and agreeing that's insane right <laughs> uh so i may i read a quote you may go ahead because uh, I, I, uh, I too uh, saw that as one of the issues that he had. He says, uh, but for the logjam to break, there need to be signs at both ends of the political spectrum are participating. And this puts a special burden on people on the right. Most public policies that have evolved into the obviously ridiculous were originated by the left. If liberals think that giving an inch on the ridiculous things is going to be a process where they can where they do all the compromising while the right sits tight, we're going to remain in our respective trenches, barbed wire coiled around our positions, machine gun sighted in. There has to be evidence of good faith on both sides. And, you know, maybe we can discuss why, but I think good faith is something that is, you know, very short supply these days. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree that, like, I can't even, 
so you know, I like you are in the minds, you're in the policy minds. I'm not. Um, we, I think we all kind of know that what gets said in public and on TV is not really what happens in in the halls of power. Mm -hmm. But again, my like mood affiliation, my vibe is it's while you could like attack and lambast your political opponent in the past and call them like a commie or a, a business lackey when the doors close and you have to get down to business, you can kind of work together and come up with some legislation. That's probably actually bad for everyone, but whatever, like mm -hmm. at least you, you could work together across political, you know, divides. I, even at that level, it seems like it's not possible anymore. Yeah. But I mean, again, you tell me, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I'll, so the stuff so happens in Congress, but the way right. it happens now is, um, uh, it, it happens about once or twice a year, right? There's some big omnibus package, some defense spending bill, some big thing that has to get through. And everybody rushes to put their little thing in and a few of those things get in. Um, and usually um, it's a, a grand compromise that makes nobody happy, which I guess is, is kind of the essence of compromise. Uh, but usually it's not going to be uh rolling back any <laughs> restrictions right, right? I, like mean, not, yeah, I mean the fact that it kind of all seems to go in one direction exactly it's not even like the point i'm making it's kind right. of just like it's hard enough for them to agree to like invade russia anymore which is shocking but right <laughs> uh but yeah um anyway so yeah it, it, that was the thing that stuck out to me especially as we get like further into the book where he right. he talks about what what has to happen to make the madison funds and this um civil disobedience possible i just i just find it hard to uh i find it hard to believe but maybe like maybe you have to start small and actually find people that are sympathetic i mean the the, the person that always comes to mind is like the cake guy yeah the, the baked cake now, again, I don't know all the facts of the matter, but it does seem like he is being bullied. Yeah. Um, it has been for like a decade, maybe mm -hmm. more. And it it doesn't seem to matter to people on the left. Does it just not matter? It, uh, it, you, mean, you mean liberals, not it, progressives? Or, yeah. Or I mean, the pro progressives want him like thrown in a concentration camp. Exactly. But like, okay. yeah, yeah. But like for, for liberals, like norms yeah. norms mm -hmm, we call mm -hmm. them <laughs> it doesn't i mean you know there's only so much time of the day right but it doesn't rise to any level of of consciousness for them right this is like a right-wing cause they don't say but for the grace of god why right. because you know they're good people they're, they would never right like yeah yeah so i mean and maybe this is where the uh the right having to compromise comes in but I mean, I don't know what they would have to compromise in order for Cake Man to stop being harassed. It seems like, well, he he kind of addresses this. He he talks about the culture war a little bit, and right. Uh, and, and what does he say? He basically says, "Can we please stop imposing, trying to impose our morality on the rest of the nation?" But the right? answer is like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Where I took a note somewhere. Oh yeah, he says he basically says the government has lost its legitimacy, and that the legitimacy was sustained by three compacts, or I guess three part compact or whatever. Uh, that the government 
that the American people wouldn't expect much from the government beyond protection of their freedom at home and from enemies abroad. So that's clearly out the window. The American people expect a lot more from, from the federal government. Uh, the federal government would not unilaterally impose a position on the moral disputes of divided Americans. Uh, and that's just, that's gone. Uh, and that the federal government would make it easy for Americans to take pride in themselves. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I think what, you know, I I think he kind of tries to to sidestep that stuff. And I think he, he, he would say, look, let's just start by focusing on not the cake guy, but the baker that, um, you know, suffers something just as, you know, a consequence just as bad, but because they uh, are using raw milk or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the flour isn't bleached enough. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I can just see this happening, right? So there's a, a baker, right? Yeah. Uh, a, a, a gay man of color. Mm -hmm. And this is the first client of the Madison Fund, right? And um, his his flour is is isn't is or isn't too bleached. I don't know. Pick one. It doesn't actually matter, yeah. right? They'll, they'll get you for something. So that's the case. And then the reply in Mother Jones and the New Republic and Politico and the New York Times op-eds is: This is the thin, you know, the thin wedge, wedge edge of the wedge or whatever. Yeah, the yeah. thin part of the wedge, it's the thin blue wedge. <laughs> for overturning uh, the FDA and uh, taking us back to yeah. Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. And that's it. You're done. Because, you know, I mean, I, I read these sources, right? I am a good liberal. I trust them. Like, you know, sometimes they're a little weird. But, like, no, I know what this is. I I, I saw this in school. Like, people used to fall into the uh, the sausage mixer, and that's what they want. And who's funding this anyway? Right. And it's like you're done. <laughs> right in my opinion because it, it, it people like don't really care it's a spectator sport it's like you're a fan of team blue and that guy is no longer on team blue right and it doesn't really matter like whether he was offside or onside he's not on my team so i don't care um like he's already he's automatically the enemy and somebody will go dig up what this gay man of color said about trans athletes right right on uh on Facebook or or whatever, and like he's cooked now, he's done completely. Right, or about illegal immigrants or or something. something. Yep. Yeah. Now yep. again, I'm just being a negative Nancy over here, mm -hmm. but I, I just wonder, like, how do you, like, how? So again, the, like the operative, the rule is like no enemies to the left. How far to the left would the Madison Fund have to go? Right. What? How? how sympathetic does the defendant have to be in order for this to work? And then how will you ever get out of that, uh, that equilibrium? Like how far to, let's just say left and right, like how far to the right do you have to move for this to actually be acceptable? Because I can imagine, in fact, the first person they will defend will be some sex toy manufacturer in rural Alabama. No, mm -hmm. I'm just right, right. And um, the Hurtahadas are trying to shut her down, her down. She's a trans woman of color, and she has a sex toy company. But like the latex isn't whatever enough, right? So that's a hero, but a hero to the left. And maybe like the smart quote right wingers will be like, well, this is just part of the strategy. Like this is this is what Charles said. We have to kind of relax a little. 
but the, will they ever move to bake the cake guy? Right. I, I kind of doubt it. Because as soon as you do, it's like, well, you've crossed that line. Like, that's it. You're an enemy. Like we knew all along. Like Keith Olbermann told us. <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah. or whatever. Like this, the seven versions of The Daily Show told yeah. us that this, this is what you were going to do all along. And so look, while, while we're identifying all the ways why, how this may not work, I still think that um, uh, for people who want to see change, <laughs> um, putting relatively more resources into litigation makes sense, right? Because again, I think uh, Congress is broken. Um, going, you know, trying to uh, influence a regulatory process gets you like incredibly marginal results, et cetera. Uh, and through the courts, especially if, I, I guess this is where the political process, I guess it, it remains broken, but where the political process is consequential is uh, the political process decides the composition of the courts. Uh, but if you, if you get the right courts, um, you can, you know, you can get some pretty big victories through the courts, right? And he talks about Chevron. Uh, you know, I think if we can we can Chevron, it'll be it'll it'll make a big difference. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it's like a drop in the bucket compared to what he outlined in chapter uh, uh, in part one of the book. Which, by the way, it's another thing. He outlines just the complete destruction of the constitutional order um, in part one, but then part two is all focused on the regulatory state, which is just a part of it. Yes, right. Yeah. 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 So that's something to point out that, like, it is in large part uh, like uh, the Madison funds are going to protect you from the regulatory state. Like, right. it's not going to protect you from your Congress critter basically being a uh, fundraising machine. I mean, maybe that's, he would point out, like, there's no way to help that. Well, and uh, it's not going to protect you from abuses of the, uh, of the FBI or of um, national security, domestic surveillance, or, you know, all, everything else. That's, that's well, I guess, I guess he might point out that like things like that already exist. There is still an ACLU, I guess. Right. No, there isn't. <laughs> well, you know, in name at least, like yeah, maybe yeah. there's some way of like, there are, there are the, the, the Madison fund equivalents that might help you with that. Yeah. Um, but, but it's, there, all, it's also not going to protect you from, you know, if you go back to his little compact, right? Like, it's not going to protect you from the imposition of morality from on high, right? It's not going to protect you from the president not being somebody who, regardless of what side they're from, uh, scolding you about, you know, whether you are or not a right right side of history, right? Right. My point is, is that, is that everything outlines in part one is, I mean, it's very, I mean, I agree with everything he says, basically. I mean, <laughs> it, it, uh, we're fucked and... Um, and we've lost completely, well, that completely is, is wrong, but we've lost the, the, the kind of most important parts of our constitutional order. Uh, and uh, and then the solution he has is very narrowly tailored to the administrative state. And even then, as you say, he goes through and says, but, but we have to do it in a way that's sympathetic. And so here are all the things that we cannot challenge, <laughs> right? So he has a whole list, um, which makes this, again, super, super narrow, and so my, my point simply being, I still think he's right that if you have resources to spend to make change in the world, going, you know, basically trying to get Chevron overturned or at least modified is probably your best uh, uh, bet, right? You're, you're, you're where you can expect the best ROI. Um, 
so anyway, I just wanted to say that while we are pointing out how this can go all wrong or what not work, I still think it's, it's, uh, I would do it. Yeah. I mean, I just think I, I, I do think it's worth a try. Like, um, it doesn't seem like, um, like you said, the other uses of the money yeah. are necessarily helping things in the grand scheme of things. Like, yeah, there, there can be local, local victories and you can play that up all you want, but like, it's all seemingly like just spiraling out of control. Right. Um, like every year the government just gets more and more powerful and seemingly less competent, <laughs> uh, and more intrusive. Right. Uh, and just um, it, it also also like less let's um, just less responsible. It's like nothing ever is anyone's fault. <laughs> Nobody ever takes responsibility. Right. I mean, there's a lot of blame, but uh, yeah, yeah. There's no accountability. Yeah, there's no accountability. We need a government accountability project <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I, uh, it's easy to poke holes, but um, it would be interesting to see what happens when they when they actually try it. I think it like a like you know we, we I consume national media. I actually don't anymore. But like what I get is like national media and weirdos on Twitter. Right. I think like at a local level, if there is some company or factory or whatever, right? That's just like doesn't do anything wrong. It sponsors a local like baseball team or like the girls volleyball team at the community college, and they're going to get shut down because the fat cats from FEMA or wherever <laughs> or OSHA are like complaining about your sand isn't sandy enough. And um, it's going to, you know, really hurt the community. Like you, I, you can see like those kinds of cases making a difference at local levels and even state levels. Uh, it, like he points out like the kilo, right? Uh, yeah, they lost. I mean, yeah. Like they lost, but yeah, they lost and they raised everything to the ground and it's still like an empty field. Right. But seemingly it led to a lot of states yeah, passing uh, to pass their own laws that said like, well, we're not we're not going to allow this kind of nonsense, um, which is maybe better than just expecting the Supreme right. Court and the feds to always tell you what to do. Right. Um, so, you know, there could be like pyrrhic victories, like pyrrhic victories like that. Um, I don't know. It, I, I also, yeah, I think it's worth a try. Let a thousand flowers bloom. Can we talk about uh, part three? Yeah, the final section. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so part of what he's saying is that America today is much more like America in the 18th and 19th centuries uh, rather than America during a progressive era. So America during a progressive era, um, basically there was no immigration, right? Um uh, things had been, uh, there was a lot of top-down control, I guess, because of the depression and, uh, I don't know, World War One standardization. I, I'm not quite sure, but the point is America. So he, he, he quotes Albion seed, which maybe we should read at some point. Uh, it's very long, Jerry. very long. <laughs> uh, but basically he says that America was incredibly diverse. You had, um, what you had the Puritans, you had the, uh, what does he call them, the Tidewater people? Uh, yeah, it's like Cavaliers, right? Yeah, the Puritans, Cavaliers, Quakers, and the Scots and Irish. Irish. And then you had the, the when you had immigration, you had the Germans. Um, you had the 
different kind of uh, white ethnics, yep, etc. Um, and these people were like incredibly different populations to each other, but yet they were able to have a national government for all of them because again, the government was limited uh, and, and basically left them each free to run their own affairs in their own way. Um, and I guess, you know, after World War One, the Germans were wiped out, <laughs> uh, et cetera. Sure. Yeah, like yeah. things were more um, uh, homogeneous. Uh, you got the progressive era. And basically his point is that we're now, because of, t tell me if, if I understood this correctly. I'm not sure I did. But because of the, the, the big sort, right, people are becoming ever more um, uh, cognitively and uh, stratified and class stratified and politically stratified. And they're sorting uh, themselves geographically this way. And then you have uh, Hispanic immigration and Asian immigration that you're getting uh, incredibly diversified geographic communities that resemble the kind of differences between geographic communities in the 18th and 19th centuries. And so as a result, and so now, now the causation kind of runs, this is where, so he, the causation will run backwards, which is, and now these people, there will be greater demand for freedom from the federal government to run your own matters the way you see fit because there's more diversity. Is that about right? Yeah, it's a little confusing that chapter. Yeah. Um, because it's towards the end where he places a lot of, where he discusses the, the cognitive elites, basically, like the mm -hmm. sorting, the college educated versus non-college educated, I guess. You could just right. call it that, right? Um, but I think it's even, it's I mean, even more than that. It's, but yeah. it's more than that because so many people actually go to college, but they're they're the same. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that is the idea, right? And this he talks about this in Coming Apart, right? It's like Fishtown versus... Uh, What's the what's the hoity-toity neighborhood? Uh, I don't know. Is it Brookline? <laughs> uh, probably right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Athensburg, I'll call it. Um, uh -huh. And he, yeah, so whereas before people were, I mean, before he's talking about like the founding of America, the colonists were sorted kind of based on where they came from in mm -hmm. in merry old England. Um, plus all the slaves, let's not forget them. Right. Uh, um, but like 90% of the people in the colonies were like white people from like England basically, or just Great Britain. I don't even think there were that many Irish there. Um, but even within that, there was tremendous diversity. So he says, right. And I'm sure it was relative to, you know, like some white bread town in the middle of nowhere. But anyway, yeah, his claim now is we're all sorting by, you know, intelligence. We're marrying people of the same like social class, and settling down in different communities and therefore we're going to want to be left alone because the the smarties don't want dumb people governing them and vice versa mm -hmm. um i i mean i assume that's not true i think the everyone right. wants to like tell everyone else what to do because they hate each other right because if you're if you're if you're in Fishtown, you loathe these people because they're condescending and constantly talking down to you and treating you like you're an idiot just because you didn't go to college. And if you're in Brookline, how dare these peon barbarians, you know, why do they even get to vote? <laughs> I, I don't know if that leads to, hey, let's 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 go back to John Locke and tolerance and right. uh, and federalism. I think it just leads to like a massive civil war, kind of like what happened yeah. the first time around when we had a lot of regional differences and uh, kind of peculiarities 
in our institutions. <laughs> it, you know, it's, it, I mean, it's possible, right? But it, it seems like to get to those kind of compromises, you end up having to actually go through conflict mm -hmm. because people always think it's like the Arrested Development meme where it's like, well, it never works out for them. But for us, it's like, <laughs> no, it's not going to work out for you. You're not going to take over the country easily. Uh, you're not going to take over Ukraine in four days. Like, it's just not going to happen. The other people get to fight you back. So I, I don't see, like, a, a grand compromise happening without some sort of national trauma <laughs> of sorts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you are going to have uh, these diverse communities, and they're going to want to... Uh, live according to you know what uh, ways that they see best, and so there are two ways to accomplish that. One is to just be left alone, or two, they can just have that be the rule for everybody. Yeah, and the second one is like more satisfying. <laughs> well, and, and it's not just more satisfying; it's also what first comes to mind when the federal government is all encompassing. That too, <laughs> right? Yeah. Where federal government is the is the one lever you have. <laughs> Right. And I mean, the, the, I mean, the other issue is like, what is the nature of like American, you know, thought, right. It's like, so we are descendants from like these four seeds. Right. right. And I mean, this is not a new observation, but like the, the Puritan one, the one that wants to like make everything holy and clean and pure, mm -hmm. that seems kind of empowered at various stages of American mm -hmm. history and it seems empowered right now. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not trying to make everyone into a good Christian that like doesn't dance, right? They're, they're the wokes and, and woke people, God bless them, right? They're not interested in just staying in their own little woke corner because right. they think that you are evil if you're not woke. Right. And I don't know how you like reason somebody out of that. It's like telling somebody like, well, you think slavery is bad and like the worst thing in the world, but like, can we just do it in our state? Right. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm an abolitionist. So no. Right. Uh, and the same thing goes for people that are maybe like pro-life. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that there's a lot of, most people are not in the extremes on either side, but um, it just seems very difficult for me to imagine that there will be some sort of compromise without, yeah. you know, conflict. Uh and maybe that just has to happen. I'm not talking about like a civil war 2.0, but some sort of conflict. And maybe this is the conflict we're, we're experiencing right now. But mm -hmm. like, I don't know if the diversity of the nation, if you even want to call it that, is actually good or helps his case. Right. Um, it just it, like like it, like we said, like it, people just want to beat up the other side, not not compromise and live and let live. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Uh, what about the next technology is going to liberate us? What do you think of that? Uh, so, um, I think technology can be a, a force for freedom. Uh, it, it always, uh, doesn't live up to expectations, right? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, obviously this is near and dear to my heart, so I have complicated uh, feelings about it. But yeah, it, I, I think there, you know, I, I've been guilty of this. There, there's a lot of um, uh, utopianism uh, about technology fostering 
uh, freedom. And there is some truth to it, right? Because um, the more these uh, technology empowers individuals, right? And so it allows you to do things in a decentralized way where you don't have to rely on one big company or one government or whatever. And so if you, if you have more decentralized action, what that does is what the whole point, I mean, what he's trying to do, which is uh, increase the cost of enforcement for government, right? If you don't have these central choke points that you can regulate and people are off doing stuff on their own empowered by the technology, um, then it's more difficult to regulate them. And so it, it's, uh, you know, it's more liberty enhancing, right? Like it's a lot easier to regulate what people uh, say and hear when there are three broadcast networks and one newspaper per town. Uh, but when you have the internet uh, and everybody can say whatever they want, um, it's you know it's more difficult to to regulate people uh, say in here, um, and you can just have that go for for everything. Um, so I agree with that. Um, at the same time, I think it often doesn't live up to its expectations because there are economies of scale. Uh, that's just a fact of the world, of, you know, of economics, and we often find ourselves. Uh, you have initial technology that initially promises decentralization, and then you find that things are uh, a lot uh, more convenient when you uh, have recentralization. And that's where we always find our, ourselves. Um, and so you're kind of back to square one. And so and so like it's it's a limited thing, right? And I'm glad that the technology exists that's always there kind of as an escape patch, right? Like an escape valve, where if things really got bad, you could rely on the technology to to um escape regulation um but but it ends up being just that right especially when you have a society or a government that is kind of half pregnant like ours is where yeah it, it's terrible it's totally lawless the way he describes but at the same time you know you can just live your life and be happy and fine like you're rich and you're happy <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah, or if even if you're not, if you just stay out of the way, and that's you what know, I mean. Yeah. You just like I go to the office, I do my office job, and yep. if the CEO gets nabbed for insider trading and he didn't really do anything, I'll probably just find another office job. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's or nothing will happen to you at all, right? Yeah, like, it's like eighties eighties yeah. movie middle class lifestyle. It's totally still possible. Like the system kind of. I don't know if it works, but it keeps going. It hasn't it stopped. Going. Yeah, <laughs> um, for for most people. Um, yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, uh, and it's kind, of, and it's kind of thing where you know, and if you have, and if you have this office job, and you have politically incorrect opinions about whatever immigration or gender or whatever, um, and maybe you express those on Twitter, uh, and now you can't because you're being suppressed. You could always go and move to Mastodon or to some other more decentralized communications network and still express your opinions. That's available to you, but you know, honestly, like it, it's it sucks. You get, on, you get an old. So you just, yeah. So you, so you do that, right? And yeah. and then and then your shadow ban and whatever. Like you just, it's just, eh. like, what are you gonna do? Right. Although I don't know if it was any different from like being a crazed political partisan of one side or the other. If you're disruptive, you were probably gonna get fired. Right. It's just like people weren't hearing you talk. Right. No. I, I guess all I'm saying is that yeah. in the past. Um, you could do what if you were uh who's the guy who killed kennedy uh lee harvey oswald if you're lee harvey oswald you can try to mimeograph uh, some sorry you meant jagger hoover all right <laughs> you can maybe you can mimeograph some 
screeds and stand on a street corner and that's like uh -huh. insane um today you have uh it's kind of i picked the bat i picked the wrong no, no I, I know what you're talking about I get you know it, saying? Yeah. like like we're actually freer today um than ever before but with it but it's kind of like a safe freedom it's, it's a freedom that one has that's safe for the system <laughs> to continue going on the way murray describes in, in part one yeah and i mean and so technology makes you free, but like it doesn't really help with the things that he's pointing. Like, the, the technology isn't going to put limits, put a new, put enumerated powers back into force. Right. So like, so this is mid. This is like tail end of Obama, right? So what are the companies he talks? He talks about Uber and he talks about um, Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah. So at the time and still, like they're they're disruptive technologies, right? Like you don't have to go to a hotel, you don't have to use a taxi. Uh, and often it's very, very convenient, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, like, would it surprise anyone in the, if in the next few years or in the last few years, and we don't know about it, they are working hand in hand with feds to do whatever. Mm -hmm. Like they're tracking suspicious Uber activity. They are tracking uh, people that attended the January 6th riot slash coup slash party, right? I mean, Next time there's a, a right wing insurgency somewhere, is Airbnb Airbnb going to gladly hand over all of the uh, the records for who came in and from where and their credit card information and all that stuff without even being asked? Yeah, of course they will. So like, yes, now it is easier for you to get a, a hotel room wherever, right? A varying quality, it's awesome, but you are now just part of the Panopticon, <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, like whatever, I don't want to get lost on that tangent, but it, it, it's interesting, right? Like, so most people, and I include myself, we're mid, right? We're total mids. I am not going to get my own server so I can have my own email, right? I don't even know what that means, Jerry. You even can't, <laughs> any, like, uh, it's, it's basically impossible to do that now, okay? Right? So, you, can I just can I just point this out? I mean, I'm sorry, this is really in the weeds, but go ahead. that's exactly my point is that oh, you, you still have this escape hatch where. If you wanted to, you could run your own email server and communicate with anybody in the world, and you don't have to rely on Gmail or whatever who might shut you down or censor you or surveil read, you. Read all your emails. Read all your emails, et cetera. So yeah. you can run your own server. But the problem is, is that the way if everybody else in the world uses this stuff and running your own server now is suspicious. <laughs> and so um, you're basically blocked. Uh, so networks, when they see traffic from like little servers, they're like, oh, this is, and, it, and it's totally for legit reasons, right? There's nothing nefarious about this. It's like, it, 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 who who runs their own servers, right? Well, it could be freedom fighters, but it's usually spammers <laughs> and, 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 and bad guys Russians. Uh, and Russians, right? And so they're basically blocked. And so it, it's kind of becomes impossible to run your own server. So that's what, that's, that's the story of all these technologies, right? Including crypto. Right, so I can imagine yeah. like, so Amazon uh, Kindle, you can yep. you can self-publish. You don't, you're not subject to the whims of the six, five, four, three, two, one publishers. I don't even know right. how many technically exist. They're all imprints of each other, right? And they're all run by the CIA. <laughs> so like, I have an amazing book about um, society. No one will publish me. I'm going to publish it myself. It's like representing yourself in court, right? At this point, unless you're Martin Curry, uh, <laughs> but like it, that's the point. Like everyone is, most people are just mid, 
they don't want the hassle they want to go with the herd uh, there's too much going on to make up your own damn mind so you're just going to listen to what you know the gatekeepers tell you um so anyway like to bring it back to murray's thesis like it, that's both really bad because if the society at large is run by people who are still progressives at heart and are going to freak out at every instance of you trying to fix anything i mean he is explicit he wants to roll back this administrative state and progressives don't want that right they might feel that th these are just the cost of doing business so what if bake the cake guy goes out of business it's worth it uh, and it's good. It shows people that we're serious and that we're, you're not going to be sexist or homophobic or transphobic anymore. Um, and if those are the kind of people that set the tone, the mids are just going to follow along with those people. Right. So that's that's the knock against what he's trying to say. But on the other hand, if you can somehow help change the tone, I, I'm not quite sure how these lawsuits will help it. And maybe they will. I mean, that's like a that's a double whammy, right? You're, like, you're helping people and you're changing the tone of the debate maybe like maybe that can start happening it, it seems like it's more of a knock against the idea than uh, than for it but i mean you know maybe that, that could be like the largest the biggest benefit of it right in the same way that like kilo people they failed they lost yeah. their houses got torn down for nothing but it did lead a, dozens of states to pass legislation to prevent that sort of thing from happening again so i don't know maybe uh, yeah, but I agree. Like the last few chapters are kind of like I don't know, especially reading them now in twenty twenty three. It's like, oh man, this is depressing. Like, like I don't think diversity is our strength anymore. I mean, it is and it isn't. I don't know, but like, I don't know if that is an argument in favor of what he is trying to do. Yeah, now. it seems kind of odd because the, I thought the point of coming apart was that we were coming apart right yeah i mean he is kind of melancholy the whole book is kind yeah, of like yeah, this yeah. is i mean this isn't going to like solve everything we're not coming back to like thomas jefferson and james madison here but like this, this, is, the best is, this is yeah this is the best we can do but like things that do not seem to have gotten better in terms of like diversity being our strength um like the, the chapter with technology what is it called it's uh like things aren't as bad as they seem or something. What is it called? Oh yeah, the best of times. I mean, he's right. like, you know, he's trying to show that like our, our like economic, technological and like social systems are ripe for a Madison fund. Right. And I'm not sure, maybe they were 10 years ago, but especially now it really doesn't seem like they are. And then there's the final chapters once the curtain has been pulled aside. I, I don't know, like, I guess the claim there is that you're going to just embarrass bureaucrats mm -hmm. kind yeah. of um i mean it is true like people don't like working in these organizations in large part i don't think they don't like being called bureaucrats they probably would rather not hurt people if they could avoid it although i'm sure there's lots of psychos in there well they don't see it as hurting right like but yes. yeah 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 it is just like well that's just the policy you have to fill out the 10 forms to order the pizza like take it up with the man upstairs i can't help you um, so there is no man upstairs. Um, but again, it's like, are we sure that that's the reaction people will have? Uh, you know, like we're going to, we're going to expose everything. I, I don't know. I mean, it would be interesting. Like, I do want somebody to like start trying this at a, yeah. at, like an industrial level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it can't just be, yeah. And, and, and he points out, like, if you take 
the IJ and the Pacific Legal Fund and a few others like them, and you take their combined uh, annual budgets, it's like nothing, <laughs> right? Like he's talking about like, no, seriously, like billions of dollars, you know? Yeah, I mean, IJ is in Arlington. It is one, two floors of like a mid-sized office building. And I know they have like regional yeah, chapters, state, yeah. but like, like the World Wildlife Fund or something is like down the street where they used to be. And it's like, that's almost just as big, probably bigger. And their budget is probably way bigger too. I mean, like mm -hmm. these entities that were like the, the mirror opposite of something like IJ, there's like way more of them and they're probably way bigger. And by uh, the way, we haven't even touched on uh, what happened. Like if you had these funds, like they're going to be subject to their own bureaucratic. Uh, no, it'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I uh, <clears throat> Would you recommend this book? Uh, I think I would for a certain type of person. I think you have to be on like a Madisonian, let's put it that way, yeah. to not just get frustrated in the first section. Like if you're a progressive, you just think like this guy is, you probably know who Charles Murray is and you hate him. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's bracing the first section, especially. I'm not, not sure about the last one, but the first section is, is good. Like he does, I think, again, you told me he did a good job. So I believe you, he did a good job of laying out why we're in deep doo-doo. Um, and his solution is interesting. Uh, I think it might be too positive at this point, but I don't know. It's, I think it's definitely worth a try. Uh, and the, the other thing is both more radical than you think, but also less radical. I was expecting yeah. like, like gorilla cells, like, Fax, faxing like yep. blank pieces of paper or like black black pieces piece of paper. of paper to like every government office in town yeah. and just like <laughs> making people go crazy yeah for example i was expecting he didn't touch on this at all i don't know why i thought this but i was expecting that he would say that the foia lawsuits right so like government if, if you not FOIA, like FOIA requests mm -hmm. like everybody if everybody in the country submitted a FOIA request to every agency, <laughs> like we would just grind the thing to a halt, right? Like it, it would be an emergency. Well, uh, but you know what would happen? They just wouldn't respond. They would. Have, they would. Yeah. They, they would. Yeah. They would have a emergency. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well, we can't. We can't give the FOIA request from the New York Times about all those people we murdered in Afghanistan. We're just too busy. We're too busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. So it's less. It's it's not as much of that as I thought it would be. Um, it's it's a pretty like careful like reasoned. He's trying to reason through things. He's not just throwing it out there. No, no, no. He's uh, very careful and yeah. and super well written. Uh, he's a he's a very um, clear writer. Uh, yeah. So yep. All right. Well, I agree with that. Uh, so Stably, next time, uh, your pick: the mind and the market. Capitalism in Western Thought by Jerry Z. Muller. Uh, looking forward to that. That's right. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stablin. Right. See you next time. See ya.